0: you uh, after the service. We sing that uh, the gospel is peace, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. We worship the Prince of Peace. And so tonight I want to encourage you to uh, turn to your neighbor, stand up if you want to, and pass the peace of Christ to one another. Say Merry Christmas to one another and give each other the peace of Christ tonight. Right. you can return to your seats. Again, so very glad you've chosen to be with us and at the earliest service tonight. So I know that this is the strongest traditions crowd in the room. You've got some stuff planned for later this evening, I'm guessing. Tonight, I just want to meditate for a few moments on a very famous uh, verse from the Gospel of John chapter 1, often quoted this time of the year. I don't think I've ever taught on it before. John 1.14, I'll read it for us, and then I just want to spend a few minutes talking about what it means. John 1.14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. I had a sad moment this year while we were decorating uh, for Christmas. I love to decorate for Christmas. We pride ourselves on being the first on the block to do so, and uh, it's normally a joyful time, but I had a sad moment this year as I pulled out some of my most prized possessions. I have... Uh, a Santa Claus figurine and a Mrs. Claus uh, figurine that are about one and a half feet tall, about two feet tall maybe, Uh, and you can plug them in. And they light up and they are very old. And the reason why they're a prized possession of mine is because they they were my grandmother's. So I inherited these a number of years ago. She passed away maybe 18 or 19 years ago at this point. And uh, and so we put them out every year. You plug them in and they just, they sit there and and they move their arms like this. And they're both holding candles that have a little light bulb at the end of them. And they work. They still work, by the way. That's not the sad part. They they creak a little bit. They're about 50 years old, um, but they still work. Why I was sad is because I was pulling them out of this clear wrapping that I'd put them in from last year and it reminded me that it was last year that I had to throw away the original packaging. So these had come down to me, about 50 years old, like I said, and the boxes that they came in showed it. They were very cool, very vintage, and I loved those boxes that they came in. And those boxes had been taped over, they had fallen apart, they'd been reconstructed, I don't know what was, the grace of God was holding them together every year at this point. And um, they were so bent and broken that last year, I decided, this is it. These are beyond repair. And so I threw them out. And this year, as I was bringing out these decorations, I I was reminded, oh yeah, the original packaging is gone. Now you may say, you are being totally overly sentimental about this. What really matters, you might say, is what's on the inside. Mr. and Mrs. Claus still work. Uh, you should be thankful because, you know, what, what happens on the inside is the thing that matters the most. And maybe I am overly sentimental. That's probably true. But I maintain that the packaging matters. And I do think that is a spiritual thing as well. It's a loss when the packaging is gone. Sometimes Christians talk about the body, the flesh, is what it's called in the scriptures, as the packaging of who we really are. And sometimes we say that what God really cares about is what's on the inside. It doesn't matter so much what happens in the flesh, what happens on the outside or with our bodies, because what God really cares about is our souls. And it is true that God does care about what's on the inside. We could talk many scriptures about that. It is true that we do have souls and that we are souls. But Christmas is about celebrating and remembering that Christ came in the flesh, in the body. Even the Word itself, as you probably know, Christ's mass, Christ's flesh, His body. And I want to tell us that tonight, that's good news for us who are broken packages. Those of us who are badly misformed, maybe taped together, for different reasons we might be that way tonight. Our flesh, our bodies may be weighed down by sin. Maybe we have a, an evil conscience as we come in tonight, we think my life is a mess and I've... Done wrong things. There could be some other kind of misery that's going on in your heart, in your life. Maybe it's just the shortcomings of the flesh. Like, I want to be able to do more. I wish I could think better. I wish I could accomplish more. There are disappointments in the flesh. I used to be able to do this, and now I can't. And of course, there's pain and death. In the flesh. Our families, that is what we call our flesh and blood that many of you are surrounded by tonight, those also seemed somewhat taped together at times. And they're not what they could be or they should be. I want to remind us that in giving us Christ in the flesh, God was saying, I care about the packaging. I care about the body. I care that you would be restored both now and forever with me. And Christmas is really about seeing that the extraordinary glory of God, the almost unimaginable glory of God, was veiled in ordinary flesh. Isn't that what we sing this time of year? And Hark the Herald angels sing, we sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead. See. Charles Wesley wrote that in 1739. Presumably, I think, looking at this verse that we just read, he says, See the Godhead veiled in flesh. Very briefly tonight, I want us to look at what we should see in this Godhead. First, we need to see his dwelling place. His dwelling place. That's the first phrase. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The mystery of the incarnation, that's a big word that just means Christ in the flesh. The mystery of it, really, first and foremost, is about access to God. How near or how far is the divine, God Himself, from us? And the scriptures tell us that God has made His dwelling place with his people. This has always been the case. He dwelt among us. That word dwelt there is an old word. It's actually the same word. It's the Greek version of the Old Testament word for tabernacle. He tabernacled with us. Maybe you need to dust off some of your Bible stories to know what the tabernacle is. But when Israel, God's chosen people, were brought out of the land of Egypt with God's mighty hand and outstretched arm, he brought them into the wilderness and he made a commitment to them. And one of his commitments was, I will tabernacle with you. I will dwell with you. The word is just means a tent and the tent was set up Amongst the people of God, as the tribes of Israel were laid out in sections, they were all centered around this one holy place called the tabernacle where God dwelt. So we see, even then, God's commitment to be with his people. And do you see that now with the Christmas story, it's like God was saying, that's not close enough. To be near is not just God's intention, but to take on the flesh. Not just be near the flesh, but to be the flesh. To let His dwelling place be not just near us, but in us. This is good news for broken packages. For those of us who feel lost, hurt, lonely, in pain, Because what we celebrate is the gospel that is the good news of great joy will be for all the people. This is the message that is pronounced. It is God with us. It's not that we have to go and find God, that we have to have some transcendental experience, that we have to climb a mountain or come into some kind of state where we might finally discover what is true and good and beautiful. It's actually... That God is not far from any one of us, as the book of Acts says. He actually dwells with us now. And so we turn to him as one who is already near. My dwelling place is with you already. That's what we need to see, his dwelling place. Secondly, see his unique glory. John continues, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. What we need to behold, what we need to see, is that though Jesus came in the flesh, He lost nothing of His glory or His divine personhood. He was not diminished. Rather, the flesh was added to His divinity in some mysterious way. He is and always has been and will continue to be the glorious God that He has always been. He is the Son. Not, as we say, when we say the creed, not made. Not made by God. Begotten, but not made. He has always been the Son with the Father eternally. And what's emphasized here when we say glory as of the only Son from the Father is that His unique glory is God-like. He is like God. The word only there, the only begotten Son, really means one of a kind or unique. No one has glory like His. And this is good news for broken, taped up human beings. Why? Why? Because it's not just that God came in the flesh, but he is actually able to redeem the flesh because of his glory. How is it that we would envision a better world? How is it that we would think about our bodies being better than they are or our families? How could that be if we're only following someone who is also flesh and blood like us? Jesus came in the flesh, but he lost none of his unique glory. And so he still is someone that we look to to elevate the flesh, not just to see that he is of the flesh. See his dwelling place. See his unique glory. Third and finally, see his grace and truth. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full Of grace and truth. Jesus is full of both grace and truth, brimming over with both. What is grace? Grace is this unmerited favor, this gift of God, of His kindness towards us, which has nothing to do with us, His gracious character. Truth is clarity. Of what is right and good and true and beautiful. Jesus not only has both, but he is full of both. Think about this for a moment. This is not a balancing act for Jesus Christ, as it so often is for us when we say we need to speak the truth or we need to be kind and gracious. And for us, those things are intention. We tell people, you need to give people a truth sandwich, right? The sandwich has bread on either side, and the meat's in the middle. If you need to give some truth to somebody, make sure that you say two kind things, one beginning and one at the end, right? And in between that, you can sandwich the truth. This is what we tell people. Two compliments need at least to be accompanied for every hard but true thing you say, then they can swallow it. But Jesus didn't balance anything. He is full of grace and full of truth. And those two things were not admixed together and they were never in tension. He always said what was right and he always did what was gracious 100% truthful, 100% loving and gracious this is good news for broken packages. Why? Because it's exactly what we need. It's the way out. Not only in the flesh and elevating the flesh, but Jesus Christ represents exactly what we need. Each one of us needs to know the truth. Isn't that the search of every heart? To know what is right and good and beautiful. To seek after the things that are good. Where do we find that? Well, it's in Christ. But I'll tell you that there's another need. And it goes alongside the need for truth. And those two things are always a need. The second thing is this. We have a deep need to be loved. For someone to say, despite who you are, what you've done you're cared for, you're my beloved. And Jesus uniquely gives both. He tells us what is right and good and true, but in a way, 100% gracious. It's good news for broken packages. The dwelling place of God is with man, he's not far. Christ maintains his unique glory And he maintains fully his grace and his truth. As we come to the evening of Christmas, where we celebrate Jesus' coming in the flesh, I invite you to ask yourself where you're taped together, where you are broken, where you are bent, where you are lacking, where you're experiencing falling apart. And to hear that God is not ready to throw out the original packaging. He's not ready to say, I'm done with you and your family and your your hurts and your hardship. That's not what he came to do. He came to redeem the flesh. To take what was broken. And to make it beautiful again. And worshiping the one true God in Jesus Christ is the only path towards that restoration. He is the only remedy for this. Because he is the only one who is near enough. He is the only one who is glorious enough. He is the only one who is gracious enough. And the only one who is true enough. And so we begin our healing by simply trusting in him. We're not here to paper over how hard things are. Christmas doesn't make it all better. But it begins with faith in Jesus' name. When we have faith in him... He begins to restore our humanity. And then, of course, we're celebrating the first coming of Jesus tonight, but we are looking forward also to the second coming where we are told that He will make all things right, that the original packaging that He loves so much, the flesh that is broken, will be fully and finally restored. We're believing that that can happen even beginning now but that it won't fully happen until he comes again. So we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, restore the flesh. And in the meantime, we examine our hearts for faith in Jesus, who came in the flesh, elevated the flesh, and invites us into a deep relationship with him where we will find healing for all that is broken. Let's pray. Father, our lives are taped together in so many ways, ways that we may not be ready to admit even tonight. And yet, however much faith we have, we ask for more. The feeble mustard seed of faith that may exist for us tonight, we ask that you would enlarge and grow in us so that we trust even more fully and finally in this child who came in the flesh, veiling his divinity, and yet available for us to see. We trust in this Christ. We ask that you would help us to trust him more. We ask that you would begin to heal what is broken, even in our families and in our hearts this evening. That you would do that through trust in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.